Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. You know, for years, I never considered myself above average. But I found out this week that I am above average. I did some reading about holiday eating. (laughs) And I, I read an article that there's a myth of holiday pounds. And it said that, you know, from September to March, people typically only gain about a pound and a half to two pounds. So I'm proud to tell you that since the middle of November to this date, I have gained 10 pounds. So, I am above average, and I have reached mythological proportions. I was talking to a friend the other day, he was like, yeah, you know, I've been working with my COVID weight. COVID weight? Did you catch COVID and gain weight? He said, no, you read, this is a whole big deal. People are gaining weight with COVID. And I thought about it for a minute and I thought, well, that's true. You know, social structures are changing. You're not going out as much. You're kind of losing touch with old friends, making new friends. Lately, we were, Carly and I have been experiencing uh, a true emptiness syndrome. And I got to tell you, it's pretty awesome. And I've been making new friends. One friend that I've seen a lot lately, and I think we're pretty much tied in at this point. I I looked at my friend the other day and I said, hello, Mr. Chicken Fry. You're so, look so crispy and tender. It's good to see that you brought your friend mashed potatoes and his great, his, uh, your crazy friend gravy. I don't know who invited Mr. Green Beans. But there is a sense that you think, well, I hate gaining weight over the holidays. Do you guys feel that way? You just hate gaining weight over the holidays? But why don't you tell the truth that it feels awesome while you're doing it? This morning, I I was exercising, believe it or not, before church. Um, I inherited from my my in-laws this wonderful thing. It's called like a slide and glide. It's, you know, you've seen Chuck Norris use it. There's like some kind of workout apparatus thing. And uh, that's why I look the way I do. I look like Chuck Norris. Anyway, <clears throat> but I was laying there this morning and I was doing my leg lifts and pushing and pushing. And I was realizing that the top of my, my chest was very straight as I was doing this. And I thought, you know, I could take a paper plate right now and put a sandwich on it and then eat. It would be perfect. No, 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 think about it. No, I mean, really think about it. If you're into dieting and working out and being healthy, I thought, you know, what a better way to be healthy than to just sort of eat while you're working out. It just makes sense, doesn't it? But the truth is, the next two weeks should be filled with joy. You should forget about all the calorie stuff. I mean, 
I'm going to have to drink just clear broth until Christmas Eve this week. But it should be a time of joy, a time to remember that God has given us something. It's for the giving, it's for the getting, and it's for the joy. And today we're going to talk about embracing joy. Now, not everybody embraces joy, do they? Sometimes people get very bah humbuggish, right? In fact, there is a group that has designated Humbug Day. It is December 21st. And it's the one day designated where you can complain about spending too much for Christmas, all of the, you know, commercialism and whatever it may be. It's a day that you can just do that. But you have to stop after the 21st. It can't become a habit that leads into the next of the year. So what we're going to look at is a few things. Joy and generosity and joy and traditions and joy and communion at this time. And it's my hope for each one of us that whatever the big deals that you've got going on, all the things and the pressures that are trying to get to you would begin to sort of push away as you embrace the goodness and the grace of God and all of the many blessings that he gives to us continually daily. But this is the time of year to fully embrace it and, and have a Sabbath from all of the cares and the fears and the worries of this world. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, he talks about the joy of generosity. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Proverbs 22 says, the generous themselves will be blessed. They will share their food with the poor. The word that is used here in Greek, eulogia, it means generous, it means to bless. It is a present given as a sign of gracious kindness to promote the livelihood of the recipient, especially with a giver characterized by joyful generosity. There was a study done with young kids toddlers, a little bit older, and they showed them certain different characters, and, and they showed gifts being given to themselves, and they showed various people who had needs, and at, at the end of the whole process, this whole trial, this whole experiment, they realized that the kids themselves, even though they wanted more gifts for themselves, when they noticed that there was someone in need, there was a certain sensitivity that even children had, and there was an apt, they were apt to be generous. It said, in essence, being generous means being sensitive to the needs of others and sacrificing some time or maybe money to help them. You see, the kids even realized, even untrained at the most selfish time of their lives, they, they understood that there was a purpose in giving to someone else and, and meeting someone else's need. <clears throat> All right, look at verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 9. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God blesses a cheerful giver. The Greek word that is used here is the word hilaros, or it's the word where we derive hilarious. And that's the whole point. Some, some of the worst, most downer things about Christmas is having the feeling of obligation to give somebody a gift. 
Can anyone say amen to that? It's the worst. My boss. What are you going to give him? Well, I found a mug at Hobby Lobby, and I put some of those terrible cinnamon drops in there, and, and I don't feel good about it. <laughs> there's, there's certain obligations in giving that, that just tear it down. And I propose to you, shake off all of those obligations, okay? And from your heart, think about the person and what would bless that person. If that is your motivation in generosity this time of year, you're going to have a blast in giving. For years, I was the guy who shopped on Christmas Eve. So you never really knew what you're going to get. Sometimes you get a chimichanga from Allsup's uh, <laughs> and a six-pack of Pepsi, you know. <laughs> but um, this year, I've got all of my gifts done. I'm ready. And I was so excited, and I can't wait for the recipients to open them because I'm like, oh, they're going to love this. They're going to love this. This is going to be the best. But, Dave, there's a, a lot of other people that you didn't give gifts for. And I'm like, I know. And I feel good about it. <laughs> I'm not under compulsion to give anybody a gift. And I am cheerful and happy and ecstatic about it because I am in the position to bless somebody. You see, this relationship with Jesus is this crazy thing where if you're living in the gratitude and in the moment of his generosity and his care, it can create in you this whole new attitude. An attitude that says, I love being blessed, but you know what? I love watching the face of somebody else who is blessed, period. God loves a cheerful giver. <clears throat> so, why should we be so happy in being generous? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 says, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, in the love that we have kindled in you, see to it that you excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. That's, that's the early expression of the church. That's Paul the Apostle saying, hey, look, you talk about how all of your service and your goodness and all the things that you do, and you're very earnestly serving God, but let it be tested here. Jesus, the pure, perfect example, um, could have just said, eh, I don't need you people. But for some reason, he loved us. And there was a grace that was produced in that love. And so when that grace is in action, in, in movement, he said, I'll even become poor. I will divest myself of all of my prerogatives for you because I love you. And there, my friends, is at the heart of giving to someone else, is that there's no longer a thought of what it would cost you or how it will affect you. I wonder if they will like me if I get them this present. I wonder what they'll think about me if I don't give them a present. 
Real giving is never about you. Real giving and the joy and the hilariousness of giving is found in focusing on the person you want to bless. Whoever that is, all right? All right. Now, generosity, therefore, is being sensitive. It starts with being sensitive to the needs of others. Not to your needs, but to the needs of others. And, and when we think of giving, I mean, you can do something nice for someone. Uh, you can give them a phone call, send them a nice text. It doesn't really matter, you know. If someone is so caught up on the monetary value of their gift, they may be missing a blessing. And if they miss a blessing, sorry, pray for them, help them out. But generosity is also a result of gratitude for all that God has done for your family. Uh, a lot of you don't get to see what I see or hear what I hear. It's because I'm a part of a secret society known as church staff. And, and so we, have, we get to hear stories and talk to people. And it's just so fun. We have a giving tree. We've had you know, Thanksgiving um, turkeys and uh, meals for families. And this church is such an amazing giving church. We had hope to get enough like 40 uh, turkeys for Thanksgiving, and one person showed up with them all. Where do you want to put these? This year, we've had giving tree, and the outpouring, and maybe just the, 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 the gift cards that go to families who need help during Christmas, need help with Christmas gifts, have just flown off of the trees. And so I was in the office the other day, and this family was coming in with these just like wagons of this stuff. And I said, man, what are you doing? This is crazy. You, this is like the second time you've been in here today. And I love the response. This is the response of a believer. The person said, well, you know, a lot of businesses have shut down during COVID and uh, our business has just taken off and we're so grateful to God. We're so humbled. We can't believe what's going on. And so this is just an opportunity to, to share what God's given us. That's the heart of the happy giver. There was no sadness in this family's eyes at all. And other folks coming in continually, a stream of just generosity. And my friends, that is a product of a heart that is full of gratitude for what the Lord has done. Let that be your heart. Let that be your mindset this year, okay? Generosity is joyful and fun, being blessed and blessing others. Christmas time is a celebration of God's grace. That's what it is. It's a celebration that someone gave us a break, a real break, a break from sin, a break from guilt. Someone took it upon themselves, and that is the reason that we party. You know, I've kind of been bummed out lately. It was probably about 10 years ago I noticed that there was this war on not saying, you know, Merry Christmas. Can we just say it right now? Merry Christmas! <sighs> the sky didn't fall. But I've noticed through the years that people say it a lot less, don't they? I went up through a drive-through window, and during Christmas, if you know, if you're a waiter, or someone, I'm going to try to give you. I'm going to give you some cash. So I went to the window, and I'm thought, okay, I got some good stuff here. Put it in there, 
And, I, and, and they said, oh, wow, thank you very much. And I said, Merry Christmas. Kind of obnoxious. And so as I was driving off, they said, Happy Holidays. And I'm like, I, I'm going to get that tip back. Happy Holidays? I just said Merry Christmas. Christmas is the reason for the joy and the extravagance and all of that. It's, it's God's grace. God's blessed us with his son, and with joy we bless others because we've been blessed. And Christmas is about the giving, not the getting. And this is a lesson not only for children, but it's a lesson for adults. I mean, parents, if you haven't learned to teach your kids to get excited about giving gifts... Kids like to get excited about whatever you get excited about, okay? And if, if, if all Christmas is is about them getting some kind of gift, they're going to get bummed out halfway through it because they didn't get exactly what they wanted. And, but if you teach that child, no, the real fun is we're going to go bless so-and-so today. I have neighbors. This is fantastic neighbors. Every year they cook us a big batch of assorted cookies and when they bring them over they're just like <laughs> this is awesome you know you can just see it they're so happy to do it and I don't like baking you know I, I might take them over like some bacon or something but um, <laughs> I was thinking this year I have my favorite cookies that I like those Tate's cookies you've ever had those in the green bag in the grocery store completely addictive and worthy of all eating. Anyway, I was thinking I could get a sorted group of those and then just wrap them up really nice with a bow and take them over, and hopefully they've never eaten them before. All right, that's generosity. But what about traditions? Traditions are very important. You know, at a time where people are questioning everything and wondering, why do we have all these traditions? Are they important? I'm just going to let that go. It doesn't matter. I think back to the time of Jesus when he was a young guy in Luke chapter 2. It was during the Passover and Jesus and his family went up to Jerusalem like everybody. And so they usually traveled in a caravan with, with other people. And when it was time to leave, they couldn't find Jesus. And they're looking around for him. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? I don't know about you, but one of the worst events in my 12 years of life up to that point was the time that um, I told my mom I would meet her back at the fountain at the mall in an hour and a half. Well, I went to the wrong side of the mall. And so two and a half hours later, here she comes and she finds me. Tender, sweet, wonderful, kindest lady you'd ever want to meet in your life. And so as soon as we got outside into the parking lot, I mean, I was not a kid who got a lot of spankings. Um, that's why I am the way I am today. <laughs> but we got outside, and she was just kind of quiet, very super passive-aggressive. And she grabbed me by my ear, and she's shorter than me. And she twisted, and she twisted, and she twisted. And at the last little notch of the twist, I realized... I may have done something wrong here. And we get out to the car. Now, I'm not saying that Mary and Joseph wanted to twist Jesus' ear, but they couldn't find him. And when they found him, he was with, you know, all the, the scholars and, and all the smart people, and he was giving them answers, and everybody was amazed at this kid. And he's like, eh, I know stuff. But it was a tradition 
As a family, they went up to Passover. Jewish, was, Jewish traditions and feasts were so full throughout the year. You'd have the Sabbath. You'd have the new moon, the Passover, uh, Feast of Weeks, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, Purim, uh, Hanukkah, the sabbatical year, and the year of Jubilee. It was very important to their culture. It was a culture that had been set in motion by God. And traditions, my friends, constantly reinform us of who we are, where we've come from. Therefore, we're established today and can understand better where we're going. So don't throw off the tradition. Embrace it. Um, my favorite traditions, because I grew up in a church environment, the church traditions are the best. Here's a tradition that I, I think that we should revive. Going to church every Sunday. You <laughs> say, wait a minute. What could be a more important tradition to have? church, Sunday, and rest. That's the bomb for me growing up. It was you go to church, you have a great time, you meet with your friends, you learn something great, you get convicted, and then you go home and have roast and then take a nap. Come on! In that sense, I'm a very traditional person. No running around, you know, with like, well, we have, you know, soccer practice right during church. I, 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 not against soccer, but Sunday shouldn't be about running around with juice boxes. You know, God is king. He's the most important. Tell everyone else just to step off. Go to church and relax. Listen, I know that many of you may have potential sports stars out there. Albuquerque produces a lot. So the chances are greater than most places in the U.S., but your talented kids need to turn off the mania, okay, and rest and trust in God, just like you. God comes first. It should be our tradition every week. No caffeine-fueled coach from the city park, believe me, he can wait. Now, make sure that your Sundays are holy and they're a place of family rest. Make a meal a holy moment. God's prison pr provision for you and the celebration of that provision. Enjoy each other and make it meaningful and fun. Never miss a high holiday at church. Why? Because it informs us of where we've come from, who we are today, and what our plans are for the future. Period. These holidays inform us of our identity and our heritage. My, my family was from a depression area. That's why we, we all struggle with depression. <laughs> the stock market is terrible. But it meant a lot of big meals and love, and we didn't have a lot of money, but my, my Christmas is at my Mima and Papa's. Um, they were such, they, they, they had a farm, they had a smokehouse, they had a few cattle, and they, had, they canned everything, they dehydrated. They were original hipsters like you wouldn't believe. They did it. And when you went to their house for Christmas, as a kid, it was like a letdown. Because this is what they thought of all of the Christmas hoopla. They had one of those little, like, two-foot silver trees. Do you remember those? Like shining silver? And it had like a fan 
that went around with a bulb and it had like a green light, orange light, blue light, yellow light. And that was the extent of Christmas at their house. And it was always interesting to me. And I, I remember asking my, my papa about it. And he said, well, you know, son, I, I enjoy every day with God. And I'm thankful for what he's done for us. I'm just not into all that other stuff. And I thought, eh, okay. Uh, but no, I, but I get what he's talking about. They were some of the most generous people that I had ever known and gave and gave and gave to other people. It was just so powerful. But that was our, 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 our time. But as I spent time in my home with my dad was a pastor, and I can remember as a young age, we would go to church on Christmas Eve, and we would receive those little bags, those you know, paper bags. Anybody from 50 years ago? Uh, we had those brown paper bags. In the bottom would be some nuts, okay? Uh, orange and apple and some of that really tasty ribbon candy. Who came up with that stuff? It's definitely a dentist's dream. Anyway, uh, but it was so exciting, the smell of the orange, and you would just run home with it, and you pull it out. It was just something amazing. It was very simple, but it was a tradition that you look forward to every, every year. Christmas Day, full of fun, right? Those are traditions that have been passed down by your family, by your culture, by your church. But then you can also, and you find this happening in your family, is that you begin to make new traditions, don't you? New traditions come in. Psalm 40 verse 3 says, I put a new, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Psalm 33 says, sing to him a new song, play skillfully and shout for joy. Psalm 96 says, I will sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. You see, God is always on the move and God is always changing. And, and though we don't change a lot, there, there may be nuances that come in that fits perfectly for our family. There's nothing that says that we have to be static and parochial. It's real and measurable. Things change from generation to generation, and they should be changing for the good. Thanksgiving. Around our table, we sit around and we, we, we go around and we talk about what we're thankful for. And that's something that we had never done as a kid, but it's something that is really important to us. I mean, here in, in New Mexico, I mean, I can... I can remember very, very well when I first moved to Taos and I went over to someone's house for Thanksgiving and they had red chili as the gravy for the mashed potatoes. I was like, <gasps> I'll never forget that day. But for us as our family and we begin to grow and our kids, we would come home after church on Christmas Eve, we'd have tamales, mm, pasoli, mm, luminarias. And by the way, just so that we understand, when people want to talk about Christmas food kind of being weight-causing and fattening, let me tell you how this works, okay? If you have a tamale, within that tamale, there's basically three main ingredients. You have the masa, which is corn, a vegetable. <laughs> you have meat, 
and you have lard. And many of you are concerned about the lard, that that may be problematic. But what happens when you heat that tamale up, the lard moves into the masa, and the lard becomes a vegetable just like <laughs> the corn. And if you think that pasoli isn't good for you, hey, what could be more healthy than bloated corn? I'm terrible. I know it. I know it. I know it. Listen, our traditions should be changing, but they should be changing with the needs of our family. Now, as our family, we used to give the kids everything and we would have some special gift. Christmas Eve would be fun. They would open up one gift. We would read the Christmas story and, and just snuggle in for waking up at six in the morning and everything breaks loose and we'd play games and it'd be a fantastic day, eat and wonderful. But now we're empty nesters, but we have kids coming back for Christmas. And so we draw names now, which is fun because, you know, the, the younger people in the family will put a dollar amount, and they're like, how much should we spend this year? And they'll, they'll put some kind of number on it. And I love Carly and I. We just kind of look at each other like, yeah, we're going to spend whatever we want. <laughs> but they're coming over, and we're excited, and it's going to be good. Why? Because Jesus created something for human beings to really get excited about to really enjoy. It's like God throwing a party and saying, hey, you people, enjoy yourselves. We don't have a lot of money. Well, you don't need a lot of money. We don't have a lot of friends. Well, you, you need to work on that this year. <laughs> Can I introduce you to Mr. Chicken Fry? <laughs> uh, A lot of things that I know that there are family traditions in this church of people serving on Christmas Day. I know families in this fellowship that go and serve at a shelter. Others take burritos and hand them out to people, serving meals and providing families that can't afford Christmas. You see, that's just the joy. The, the way that we act this time of year, I'm not talking about going in debt, but I'm talking about the way that we act in being generous and happy and joyful and careful. That is more of the picture of the humanity that God wants for us than the fighting, the anger, the bitterness, the hatefulness, the violence. That, it's, it's sort of a rest from that. And those of you who feel like, I, I'm, I'm going to be a little depressed this time of year and I don't have, there's so many things I don't have. Let me tell you something. If you're here in this fellowship, you have us. You have people that love you, pray for you, bend over backwards for you. If you're at home, online, and you're, you're feeling alone, don't forget that you have the church. Most anyone in the fellowship, you can walk up to them and say, hey, I'm just feeling lonely this year. And they'll go, oh, okay, good. I'll, let me introduce you to this other lonely person. No, uh, most people will invite you into their homes and want to hang out with you because it is that time of year. When Jesus says, this is what happens when the king of heaven comes. This is what happens when God enters the world to make a change. And this brief period of time that we celebrate 
is a precursor of the land that is to be. So let it be today what you hope for in the future, what you dream of in the future, the way of life that you see in the future, the goodness that you see in the future. Let it be alive this week, all the way up into New Year's. Let it be. Let it be full of joy. I just prayed with someone this week who said, I've been praying for the world and I'm just feel inadequate, and I'm so full of fear. There are so many people full of fear right now. Let that fear be pushed aside as we embrace the joy of this season. Let it fill our lives. This morning we're going to take communion together, but I want to encourage you, Before New Year's, take it a couple of times. Take communion on Christmas with your family. Make it special. Make it amazing. Make it awesome. Make it a real toast and testimony to God. There's a lot of toasting that goes on in holidays. Let this one be the best toast that you have. And then right before New Year's, if you're going to make toast... Have communion with your family and toast to the living God for all that he has done and the welcome of the new coming year. Period. Luke chapter 22. He said, when the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. It was just before all of the events took place. And after taking the cup, he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And giving it to them, he said, This is my, my body. Okay? That was broken for you. I don't think he did it in sadness. It was joy. It's nothing like giving yourself to another person. If you want to know the true and living God, that's what he likes to do. He said, this is my meal. This is my body. This is my sacrifice for you. As often as you do it, remember me. But in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. It's with joy that Jesus did these things. For he understood that blessing another life and being able to help another person is at the heart of what it means to be human. I pray that that's us this year. It's the oldest act of worship in the church, historically. It reminds us of a a covenant, a relationship that we have with God. We remember Jesus' sacrifice, and we're made aware once again that we're not alone, but we're together with God with him, with each other at his table. It's a time for renewal. It's time for asking God for forgiveness. And the word Eucharistos, 
means it's a time of giving thanks to God. Lord, thank you for bringing us near. Thank you for this celebration. Thank you for bringing us to your table and sharing yourself for us and with us. Lord, we ask you forgiveness of the sins, Lord, that we've committed since the last time we've been at your table. Lord, we ask for forgiveness for the things that you've called us to do, but yet we've we failed to do them. We, we've, we've been negligent, rebellious. Receive us once again, Lord. Restore our hearts. Restore the joy of our salvation. Lord, I lift up this fellowship, those who are watching online, those who are here, the families that are represented. And I pray, Lord, this season that you would be at the center of every home. Lord, we pray for our Christmas Eve services that we would see many come who maybe have left home and been away for long, and I pray that you would bring many back into your fold and to your kingdom for their joy and for your joy. Bless you, Lord. We take this bread and this cup this morning, and we do it, Lord, in honor of you. Take the bread. Thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken for us. It means more than we fully realize, but we know enough to worship you for it. Let's take the cup. And as we do so, Lord, we raise it in honor to you, our God and our King. Your body, your blood, your sacrifice, your people, your kingdom come, and your will be done. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.